welcome to episode five of End to End FM, the podcast describing the journey of digital products. Um, this week I'm joined by Alex Longshaw, Hi. Eddie Lane, Hello. and I'm Ryan. Um, bit of a short turnout, small turnout uh, this time around, but we thought we'd use this relatively short podcast to maybe discuss some of, some of the debate that we've had internally around choosing the right sort of tools or strategy for, for a particular for a particular challenge. Um, and I think for a bit of context going into this discussion, we were presented with some requirements from a client and we generally deal with similar types of project work. I think it's, it's fair to say we probably have a, a, a JavaScript client powered by a, an API of some description. Um, and this project presented the opportunity to go down that avenue, but also the opportunity to go down a, a different route. And I think some of our kind of convenience of falling back on old um, habits or what we were used to maybe blinkered our, our approach a little bit. So we thought we'd, we'd open, revisit that discussion that we had internally about how, how we got to where we, or the route that we went with it, um, and some of the questions that came up along the way. So... The best way to kick this off, do you think we've got a bit of so, context? Yeah, so the, the project that we're talking about was um, uh, a brand new um, a brand new project. Requirements from the clients seemed, I think, relatively straightforward at the start. There was a need for um, a, a database uh, as it was. A, can we talk about the, the project? I think in loose yeah. terms, anyway. It was a property. <laughs> yes. Sort of, so sort of we had this kind of um, a, a property search, essentially, um, and all of the, the crud stuff that sort of powers that behind the scenes. So there's a requirement for um, authentication, because this was actually a, it's not a public system. Um, uh, properties and then a uh, a way of sort of searching those properties for a specific one that you you're you're looking for at that time based on some um, yeah some some criteria that we allow you to search for yeah and we were sort of tasked with the job of, of, of the luxury or of, of building both the sort of the back end database and then also the, the client side facing work as well so it was all kind of under yeah. our yeah our jurisdiction. Um, and I think why it was why it was quite interesting, or sort of from our perspective anyways, that when we sort of sat down to do a discussion around, you know, what what how do we want to build this thing, um, a lot of our recent projects have kind of been single page web applications, um, powered by a, a REST API that we would either sort of working with a third party or we'd have built built internally um, and I think that was our kind of default position yeah. <laughs> without, without question since I've been here that's that's the sort of style we've worked on exclusively yeah and I think the the whole sort of process exposed a little bit of a not necessarily a flaw but it kind of maybe just a, a bit of a on the oversight of like the options we had well it's almost like a, a convenience or a bias almost where it's just like well that's just what we do is sort of square peg Round hole, trying things, trying to get. And there are there are definitely benefits, I think, to that approach. But obviously, 
And maybe we didn't think about the benefits. Let's, yeah, let's not reveal what we have to I'm not, to the to the end. Spoiler alert, it's WordPress. Yeah, it's actually gone for a static site generator. Um, so traditionally, what would we have used? What was the what was the default like? We we would have said we would go for. Well, this is it's, it's interesting. I think this this conversation goes down to two, two roots really. One, why why would we have a default position in the first place? And looking back, anyone you would probably say that well, you know, you you assess, and which is what we ended up doing in the end. But at the start, we kind of just jumped in. They're going like, oh yeah, this this would fit in. And to be fair, it would have fit into that that model, but a few things um, sort of arose through further conversation. But yeah, the, we we sort of we would have a a single page web application generally. So what would that be usually? We would say Angular. Would that be? Yeah, I mean, it'd be up for grabs a little bit. We were, I think, at the time leaning towards a sort of React and Redux kind of mm-hmm. um, model. Well, that was that sort of client side tech that we were using there. And a, I can't remember what we designed back end out, was it? PHP? We went with Symfony PHP because obviously we've got a lot of experience and it's very yeah. good at that sort of uh, TMS sort of CRUD sort of style side. Yeah. yeah. But, but, but you're saying you would be like a, CMS, like a JSON CMS. Yeah, so from, from an API sort of view as opposed to a traditional. Yeah, uh, yeah, traditional like form generation sort of site. So that's probably because we've used it a lot. We're quite good at sort of morphing Symfony into a kind of more of a JSON API. Yeah, and I think we I think it bundles, is. Yeah, it's good at that. Them. Like we can get it done quite quickly. But someone fresh to that might might take a little while and to get it. I would argue as well that it's easier to test an API. So maybe that's been slightly, slightly uh, mean there, trying to uh, make it easier for myself. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all, all the sort of uh, coming out, all sort of coming out now. Yeah. I, I don't think I hid my uh, my intentions there. It's slightly more front end resource um, than than back end resource at the time of the decision. Yeah. In, initially, it was I was going to be the, the person on the back end there, um, and it did move over to Eddie. Yeah. 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 Um. So uh, yeah, I guess it was that it was the, the, our default position would be we've got a sort of split in terms of teams. We've got a front end team and a back end team, and we can both work for our kind of strengths here. And what what were the sort of things that potentially were overlooked in our in our default position? I think one of the big things that was, <laughs> and again, this is. We we are quite lucky in some regards in that we we work on a lot of greenfield projects I guess in terms mm-hmm. of and, and we're quite lucky that we get to or get quite excited about being able to try out the new shiny um, relatively relatively often. Mm-hmm. One thing that was kind of overlooked is that we were quite we, well we had a bit of an appetite especially on the client and we all client side side of things and we also had the resources available at the time it was a bit more stacked on the front end than it was for the back end things so we kind of. We saw it as an opportunity to try out some new sort of front end tech that we hadn't really done in production. Um, you wanted to be a cool kid doing Redux. <laughs> that was the that was it until I until <laughs> would have gotten away with it too. It wasn't for those pesky kids. <laughs> um, but one thing that we did overlook, I guess, was some of the constraints from the client, and that they was they understandably had some 
had a deadline, um, at least for a part of the work that they wanted to show to some stakeholders. Um, and when we came back to discuss, so we initially left the initial conversation with a position of yeah, a client side web single page web application, Redux and, and, and React and PHP, JSON uh, API. And then we came back to it to sort of re sort of assess you know the timings and who's going to be working on it and it kind of that flushed some of the sort of oversight I guess a little bit in in our sort of decision making and that it was going to take longer yeah. <laughs> to to build something in with that sort of approach um, and whereas it did have some merits in terms of how it could work they, they I guess on balance it didn't it didn't warrant the amount of time and effort it would require um, to go down that route, given that I think if we can remember some of the some of the arguments, we would obviously be sort of one person be building an, an API for the front end to sort of we'd have to define that and then it would have to be rendered on the on the client. Um, so the, the we were doubling up a little bit on the on, on the on the work that could I mean Symphony is a framework that we're obviously very familiar with um, and it has a massive community with um, uh, a large amount of um, bundles which is Symfony's kind of plugin system. Um, bundles for everything, you know, it's been going for, yeah. for about sort of five years, very, very popular. Um, and so, you know, things, basic things like pagination all the way through to really complex things such as like admin generators. There's a bundle for all of these things um, in, the, in the Symfony ecosystem. There are obviously, so if we decided to, to, to do pagination, we would go in the more traditional route. Uh, I say traditional route, it's probably the opposite. The, the, <laughs> The JSON API, React Reader. So maybe, maybe our sort of traditional route. Although we would be able to use uh, take advantage of pagination in certain ways, we would lose a lot of the kind of <laughs> stuff it's going to give you for free out of the box. Yeah. We're going to have to kind of somehow bind up the sort of JSON serialized pagination with something that React and Redux can understand and, and create this kind of communication stream between them. Whereas if you're going more of the, the well, traditional website route, um, uh, request renders HTML uh, in response, then you're going to get an awful lot out of the box for free. In terms of my pagination example, you're going to get everything you're going to get. Probably, oh, well, everything except the table. So it's going to give you um, the number of pages if if there's need to be more pages, the links, what they what they do, um, pretty much <laughs> everything that, that you need is going to be there for you. Um, and I guess it's a question of what does the single page application give you that is the benefit is going to outweigh the, the time saved in using these kind of off the shelf. Well, you don't you don't get that page refresh. It's very important. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that that is maybe we could segue into that a little bit, a little bit down the line. So that that is a, a big for me anyway. And it comes up on a few projects where we have this kind of like crossover between well, we have a server side rendered um, web application, a website 
that then requires some additional sort of JavaScript interaction to maybe make it a bit smoother in how you kind of like balance the the boundaries a little bit. Um, but I think yeah, I mean that, that was kind of one of the, the the important bits of the conversation that we did have this this relatively short uh, deadline to achieve, and then the the avenue that we were exploring initially was was going to be would you know would throw up some questions that we'd have to solve that was already solved if we went down a, another route. Um, and I think that other route at this point will reveal. <laughs> I guess it was just to, to do a a server side application with with Symfony serving the serving the HTML. Um, which meant as well that I guess I mean for us we sort of we would balance the resources a little bit more effectively and, the, and it, it did cut the amount of effort involved um, remarkably, which means we could actually deliver the project on time and and we did weigh up obviously the benefits of of the single page application approach, which potentially arguably maybe gives you a slightly slicker um, user experience perhaps because it's not that kind of well without any additional work there's no the state transitions between views or pages yeah, is, yeah. is generally a bit it's a bit smoother. I mean, there is a little important ish detail in that it uh, well I did mention it before, but it's a not public facing um, yeah. Uh, application. Yeah. There's some of the slickness. I think I used the word self indulgence at <laughs> one point because uh, I think that yeah again like. The audience is very limited. They're obviously using it for much more of I want to get stuff done perspective, yeah. and you lose some of the sort of appeal of having it. You you don't need to draw in these new customers <laughs> to the front. Yeah, you definitely, product, definitely, really. definitely got a point there. Um, well, we, I mean, yeah, I mean it is nice, but I guess when you've only got limited client base, and it's all behind it's it's all behind it, authentication anyway. Because one of the the only other so uh, just to sort of maybe touch on some of the reasons we went or why why a sort of a single page application would, would work a bit nicer there was the API kind of idea is that we could have potentially many clients one API, mm -hmm. um, and it, it, that that was a nice argument in theory. But as we sat down to, to sort of discuss you know how we were going to implement it in the time that we needed, it was it wasn't a requirement yeah. to do that, and it may never have will it be, um, and I think this is maybe maybe an important kind of point that we learned from is that throughout our kind of like development through the, the end to end of our sort of project life cycles we're very we try to advocate a very lean approach so building something small and learning from it and incorporating what you learn into into the next kind of iteration of it so very very lean <laughs> is the kind of and, and then we were sort of come to doing our development decisions about how we were going to tackle it we actually went for what is the what is the sort of mm -hmm. the all singing all dancing option here um rather than working to get something done quickly that would validate the, the idea yeah. of the project that could have, it could in theory like any other any sort of startup idea it could die after the first iteration because the demand might not be there but we could have built an api and i have a client and it's already singing and dancing and taking three times as long yeah. i wanted to find that either the requirements are totally different and they need to move direction pivot or whatever um or that it was dead in the water and mm -hmm. we spent twice as long three times as long getting there. Yeah, um, yeah, certainly. I mean, I mentioned the pagination as a kind of an example which sort of tenuously makes sense, but the, the second example I gave you didn't expand on that, that admin system. The more I think about that, um, that kind of 
current admin system, the more I think that would um, put the time time spent to build. We went the single page application, uh, like cons like hugely, considerably, like well, the stuff that you get for free out of the box with that yeah. in terms of create um, what is it? Create, read, update, delete stuff yeah. all for free but would have taken probably um, weeks or if not months. So. But we we have done that before though, whereas we try to roll our own single page app admin system, and we actually took it out. And you spent a while building, yeah, a standard sort of symphony. Yeah, it just it just there's something that is so close to the data layer, um, so close to the database. It seems like you yeah you want you want the thing that is most connected to that database to be to be powering it. it the thing that knows the most about the database and the structure of your database should be powering what is essentially a um, a web interface for your database because that's it it's, it's kind of like a core I don't know if anyone used to use PHP my admin back in the yes, day. Yes, I definitely have. But that is essentially what a lot of these crud things are. It's, yeah. it's a kind of glorified version of that. PHP my admin for anyone who doesn't know is, is just a, a, a how would you a web interface for for, yes, for a MySQL. It database. is a you know PHP and JavaScript um, MySQL very old isn't it? Well, yeah. actually, they I don't know when the last time you used it. They have made it look a little bit nicer now. <laughs> for um, a long time, in my early days, I the, the Yes, like SQL, SQL, and, and PHP and Miami were synonymous. There was no difference. They were the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it, well, it, it tends to be the most hack, hackable yeah, place. I just, <laughs> I just got right flashbacks of logging into like cPanel and yeah, <laughs> FileZilla, yeah. FTP and stuff. Yeah, I mean, so the thought, to bring it back, the thought of now, of, of doing all that stuff as a kind of API isn't too bad, but then doing all that again in a kind of single page application, unless there was something which someone had made something that knew about how Symphony worked and knew about how React and Redux worked, it would just, to me, feel like um, a sort of stupendous <laughs> waste of yeah, time. Yeah, no, I, like, I, I do totally agree there. I mean, I remember updating that old like, single page admin thing we had. Yeah. And it the the admin system we have now is is so much better, which is a symphony bundle. Yeah, there's Sonata admin, admin bundle, admin yeah. bundle, and there are plenty of others as well. Yeah, yeah. options. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so what other arguments did we did we have? Well, I think that was that for or against. Ah, <laughs> even. <laughs> give give us I'd, some on I'd, the SPA side then. Well, I think we covered covered some of the <laughs> some of the Stick selfish out. ones, where it was just like, as new China. But uh, yeah, there was kind of like it. it there is, I guess, almost and as yeah. So we sort of covered, you know, the opportunity for many clients on an API, which is a bit, a bit redundant. Um, the the user experience, I think, it, it is it does seem a bit um, superfluous, but it's not to be underestimated. And that like people's typical interactions with with applicable. Well, Web pages or applications are much richer, you know, now than, than they have been. People don't necessarily expect full page reloads and and that sort of thing in anything where they're interacting with uh, an application, say a search form or or a filter or anything like that. Um, so we had to have a bit of a and this bit of a segue into strategies or sort of opinions on on that. 
for the gains that we got in delivering um, a, a an application much quicker with Symphony, um, there were some sort of trade-offs in how we sort of say, for instance, there is a search on there. At the moment, we search, we do get a, a sort of full-page refresh, which you could argue a little bit is, is a bit old hat, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, and given the, I guess the, it goes back time and time again, and this is maybe the sort of big takeaway from all this, is just like is, is assessing the sort of requirements that you have and the demand that you have for the product and where, what, what the goal of it in the short term is when it's just starting out and that you know, it's very quick at the moment. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's, there's a very limited amount of, of, of information in there. It's quite a small database um, and the searches aren't particularly complex. Um, and it's all no, it actually is quite complex, but the the amount of um, items it's searching is so small that it's, it doesn't really matter. Mm. Um, the query is massive, but there are in the realm of sort of two hundred and fifty ish properties, yeah, yeah, yeah. which makes I mean you could kind of do something really really not performing and still get back to <laughs> that, that point, which is just fortunate. But I think that we, we did have to obviously at some point add some add a little bit of sugar in here and that there was some requirements for some some JavaScript richness. Um, you still got to do it. <laughs> still got to do And I mean, it turned out because it's the first time, and we have had this issue in the past. Maybe this is like a, a nice segue, especially given that the um, <laughs> general election, the um, on the Wolf Policies website that we developed, we we mm -hmm. sort of had a similar kind of where this and the, the, the motivations behind that was slightly different it had to be very accessible um, also quite quite short short, short deadline and, but there was a part of the website which was quite interactive which was the, the survey um, mm -hmm. process and we obviously sort of embedded react uh, sorry angular into that um, quite not how we would do it now I would yeah I mean, we say. really were um, sort of fighting against the tide with what well, that's what it felt to me developing that one so what we we were doing uh, I can't even really describe what we were doing because it's so crazy we well, were sort of doing our angular tags in well one of the the biggest thing we were trying to avoid and there's another project that we worked on where this became an issue was the kind of the disconnect between what if you were if you have to support two two views I guess they sort of fallback or the whatever the sort of server returns um, and then also the the sort of the JavaScript views that sort of go or replace replace and now this is a bit of a problem that prior over the last year or so has been sort of explored and could argue solved in some regards with like server side react rendering and mm -hmm. stuff because you're sharing um, a lot of the, the rendering logic by the time we thought well we could sort of just think the server side would return the HTML annotated with the React stuff and sort of the Angular um, attributes, and we could sort of transclude the parse the HTML, transclude and turn it into, <laughs> turn yeah. it into Angular. I think was the kind so of. So it was like, yeah, the so traditionally with Angular, you would boot up a kind of very, very minimalist index.html page with nothing really on it, and then Angular would boot up. And make well, like you would either have already your templates compiled, or you would make an AJAX request to go and grab your templates, and then it would parse them, and then it would put the data in, and then sort of angularify it and put it on your screen. But in this instance, we put everything on the page at once, 
and then we kind of forced Angular to pass all of so so that everything was on the page and it looked okay if you had no JavaScript enabled. Yeah, that was that was the kind of but then Angular and it was a massive sort of page and then Angular would pick it up, parse it, and then chop it up into sort of sub pages. Yes, yeah, yeah, that was and to be honest, like you look that you could could draw parallels that are kind of at a jQuery kind of model level. We were kind of manipulating the DOM that was on the page at the time with Angular to kind of get it to... to, yeah. to would have been easier with jQuery. <laughs> it probably, <laughs> probably would have been. Um, but, you know, I mean, it, it worked. It, in the, at the start, at least, looking... If we were to do it again on a different, different approach, but at the time, at the start, it seemed like it would be okay, but it, it rapidly sort of became quite difficult to maintain. Um, just because it was, it's not entirely clear what's what's happening a lot of the time. Um, but I mean, the, the the bigger kind of thing in that is like, well, how do you incorporate nice uh, kind of JavaScript areas um, into into a more traditional kind of server-side rendered um, web site? And I think with this one, obviously, it's it's a bit different and it's not as complicated. But we obviously we're using React here, and it works quite. It's much nicer with it being sort of a, a more like a view library, and they can just sort of mount onto a onto yeah. DOM node and just replace it. Well, I first my first intention was to use view, vue, mm. but I I'm sure there would be a better way of doing it because I know that Laravel is kind of sure. chosen. So what is view? It's another. It's 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 another <laughs> JavaScript uh, framework. Um, Apparently, it lends itself rather well for this particular sort of problem. More, okay. it, it apparently is quite good at enhancing a page rather than Angular, which kind of wants to be the whole world rather than a particular page. Right, okay, so it's a bit lighter. Yeah, it's certainly lighter. It's still very Angular 1 y, really Angular 1 y. Okay. They, they supposedly uh, took, I think it's called MU. Took the best bits of Angular One and sort of made it made it nicer. And it's actually what Laravel, the PHP yeah. framework, they I don't think they have specific things for it, but there's lots of tutorials about using Laravel with yeah. it, and there's a few sort of um, things to sort of um, yeah speed up that if that was going to use it. But I sort of immediately started getting flashbacks to that Vote Policies project, and in the end we went with React, and I do not regret that decision. Um, one thing I think we haven't mentioned which has helped us is um, we're actually using Webpack, mm. um, yeah. which has made life a little bit easier. So um, again, for the back end, the excuse for Angular Webpack <laughs> is, I feel like it's some sort of tool, uh, front-end tool, is that on the right lines? Does it actually explain what Webpack is? It's a bundler. <laughs> <laughs> Mundula. Yeah, it does. It does. Works. It does a lot. It's kind of a kitchen sink style of tool. So, it on on its most basic level will take your many JavaScript files um, and combine them into one and minify them. So, like op optimizing that that sort of thing. Kind of, but it will do much more than that. It will also transpile your ES6 code into code that can run on everyone's. Right, okay, got it. Yeah. It will also, and then it gets really weird, because it can also, um, you can require things like images or icons in your JavaScript. And so everything is a module in Webpack world, 
including images, JavaScript, fonts, everything yeah. had to be referenced for this one kind of thing. I feel like I've taken you slightly off topic here. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so that, <laughs> that, that, that helped us, I think, um, quite, quite a bit. Um, and we, I found a sort of, I think... Yeah, what was the Symphony Bundle for that? Because I know uh, you can't M-A-B? Yeah, I can't remember the full name, but the, the command you used was Mabba. So Mabba Webpack Compiler. Did I come across that yet? So that's running a, you basically have a Symphony, because usually with Webpack you run a process the whole time. Yeah, so the node process, but this you're running a symphony process, which is running a node process. So basically, it's your bridge between symphony. It basically can rewrite the template. Ah, right. So okay. it's, you, yeah, in your symphony sense. twig templates, you can uh, sort of request images uh, via Webpack that are going to be optimized through the Webpack stuff. So you can request a massive image, and it's going to be compressed and minified yeah. maybe into a string. It sounds like it'd be quite powerful then. Really powerful, yeah. Which so is, a, and it's a nice kind of, it, it was a bit of an unanswered question when we were doing something similar with um, both policies and that we ended up using, because aesthetics that kind of default pipeline, isn't it? Not anymore, they've just stripped, they've ripped it out now. Yeah. So you have to now install a setting if you want to. Because I can remember we used on, on, on both policies, we used something called Gasetic, yeah. which was a gulp pipeline yeah. replacement for... It's quite simple. It. It's very simple, but it was nowhere near as mature. And we had we had issues with kind of like where what is responsible for, for compiling and how you then get it into Symphony Land from. So it was that was a little bit a little bit I mean it, it did alright. Um but obviously the it the sort of tooling ecosystem matures quite rapidly these days. I, I don't think I could ever keep up with JavaScript like dependency pooling and just like every day I hear a new framework or tool. It's not, I mean, it, yeah, it's not too bad. <laughs> you go from, if you just ignore most of them and they don't become hugely popular, the last one, you go to Grunt, Gulp, Webpack. You're all right. <laughs> Three, one a year. Just, just, <laughs> when a new one I should know about comes along, just let me know. <laughs> I'll ignore everything else. Um, yeah, that turned out to be a relatively big win. Um, so that works quite nicely. I don't think we've not really had to deal with any major sort of like DOM replacements or anything like that on this this particular project. It's like we have some search a search area that converts into tags, which is just replacing the existing um, the existing element and without JavaScript. It's just a regular search, so it does it does all work. Um, but we do get the state from a from a JSON dump on the on the page. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah yeah yeah. No, that's... Which is a, that is a sort of yeah, a relatively good point. Because um, we're sort of enhancing the page, but we don't want to do everything in the DOM. So I, I guess the two options, and we've sort of done both in the past, is um, on a page, uh, the single page application needs some JSON representation of this. Say you're on a property page, we can use sort of this with examples. Mm. Uh, do you try, uh, but uh, yeah, some bits are enhanced with JavaScript. How do you get the, the data for that property? Do you like rush it out of the DOM? Do you make an AJAX call to a, an additional endpoint, an API endpoint, so you say with a JSON for that property, so yeah. you can power your various enhancements, like an image gallery, this one that we have? Or do you do what we did, <laughs> which I actually think is working very well, which is we just. Um, as serializing 
uh, our property entity into JSON and inserting that in a, in a script tag. That's what yeah. we're so what, what made you pick that over in the first option? Uh, stripping stuff out of the DOM? Yeah. Uh, well, I've never actually gone for that approach before because it sounds very, very, very fragile. Okay. Um, it is a bit more of an oldie school way. Like, it's how you install. And it's quite fragile, to be honest. Like the DOM can, you know, if somebody commits something that's got something, closing a div tag and it kind of, depending on how you're looking up information from the DOM, it's a bit more unpredictable. Okay, um, that makes sense. So the DOM can change. Um, and I guess the argument against the additional aid, it's an additional request that additional it's, request, it's, yeah. it's not necessary really. More maintenance, more testing. Um, certainly, I think where we would go if there ever was the requirement to consume from a different client or something like that. Yeah, because I mean that's an interesting sort of point as well. That we talked about, you know, these these requirements weren't present, but you know we have to kind of be realistic in that you can't be too short term in terms of like things may change. Mm -hmm. So you can't be completely ignorant to how you would adapt and move on. And I think we did touch on that idea that well, if we did want to move, say for instance, this project was successful and got a lot of funding and needed to to scale, like it wouldn't be a case of throwing away what we've got so much as it would be there was scope to build an API off the back of what is already being exactly. implemented now. I mean, it would just be a case of maybe redeveloping the client, which wouldn't be if they did want a single page application, for instance, it wouldn't be a huge, yeah, huge issue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I'm conscious that you, you have got limited time, but we would just touch on, we didn't completely just use technology that we knew because we did get to use um, Docker, at least in development, which mm. I feel has also been quite a, a big win um, in terms of the stuff like Webpack running all the time, that's another Docker container, um, having Redis in the database and, and all that stuff during development has actually been... Um, in my opinion, a really sort of nice uh, development experience. Yeah, I mean, I, well, well, I had to go to Docker probably over a year ago now, just just when Docker Compose was coming out. Yeah. So kind of half of it was in Docker and half was in Docker Compose, and it was a lot of work. I've been a bit. I don't know if anybody's on the spot here, but I've been a bit ignorant to the difference. But well, to what Docker Compose is versus Docker, I just follow the command. Docker Compose is just a um. It's it's kind of a layer above uh, Docker, but it's just a YAML format of defining sort of multiple com containers and, and linking right. them up. It's so it's, yeah, yeah. yeah, it sort of just simplifies the process, and it's been really straightforward for us. The only thing that's been painful is is um, the performance of Docker on Mac and the Symfony application, which if you Google is everywhere. People are screaming about this because Symfony has a lot of files and a lot of files in the cache. Lots yeah. of writing, and it's been incredibly slow. But um, I've found a seems to be a pretty good solution implemented Docker Sync, which I'm gonna shoot over to you yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> it's still just just working out a few kinks, but it's, so far it's been really really good, and that creates that on sort of base level basically R syncs your files over that change rather than having a kind right. of <laughs> We actually use something called Unison. Which is a little bit better than our thing, but yeah, that's it on a basic level. But the performance is like night and day. So, yeah, um, yeah, look forward to that. 
Yeah, I mean, as somebody who's not really using an awful lot of it, managed to add a, a container for something that we needed, which is like the pattern library generated pretty pretty easily, and it just it just it just worked, which was which was which was great. I'm finding it quite nice to use as well. Yeah, but yeah, I think it's nice. It's I think it's easy. You know exactly what are the dependencies in terms of like systems, system architecture of this project, rather than a vagrant file which you're going to get a, um, a VM, who knows what's installed on it, mm. you know, there could well, be anything yeah. going on behind yeah, the scenes. I, I very much like the sort of disposableness of, of a container. Yeah, yeah. You, you do have that history of what you've got. Yeah, yeah. Which obviously, ideally, in an ideal world, you would have your vagrant files do the same thing, but never, never quite worked out. No. Um, so that's been great. And we, we're not running off in production, but maybe one day um, it would be... It would be uh, out as well. Um, yeah, I've been convinced not to try it just yet, not to order both. <laughs> one day I will run it off in production. Nice. I shall never. Anything well, else? Anyone? Well, I think that's quite a nice sort of overview, really. Some of the, some of the sort of, it's quite nice to kind of just talk, reflect on kind of the, some of the sort of discussions that got us to where we are and like. Yeah, I think so. We've learned some important stuff about taking some more considerations into the the, the, the strategy of how we roll out our development um, than just new shiny and the implications that come with come with that. It sounds obvious to be honest, but like at the time, <laughs> it's you do kind of get stuck in stuck in a sort of process, and it's yeah. it's 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 good to recognize.